Good morning. I'm Bree Thompson. I'm the pastor of Youth and Young Adult Ministries. And, um, we're going to continue in our Lenten series this week where we have been reflecting on various psalms. Today we are looking at Psalm 32, a psalm of David. Um, as we walk through this psalm, we're going to see David coming from his place of sin, moving to repentance and a need for forgiveness, and then standing in reconciliation. Um, we're going to look at the pieces, that what that looks like to be reconciled to Christ. So we're going to move with him through this psalm. So I invite you now to join with me reading Psalm 32, if you have a Bible with you. Um, it'll also be projected over here. Blessed is the one whose sins, whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. Let us join our hearts in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word today, and we thank you for the ways you bring us to be reconciled to you and the wonderful blessings found in that place. Bless the bringing of your word today. May our hearts be open to what you have for us. Amen. I found this psalm titled in one place, The Happy Lot of the Forgiven. And yes, it is a happy lot when we land at the end of the Psalm of David today. Um, but how do we get there? Um, we're going to take a little time to, to look at the pieces of how David um, moved to that place. Um, in Amos chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so. So in that setting when Amos was prophesying, Israel had a great calling. They came with great responsibility, as do we. Prior to Amos' prophecy, the people weren't even acknowledging that they were not walking right before the Lord. They attended religious services, they gave offerings, all the while they were neglecting the poor. And Amos' message to them was, it's all a sham. The Israelites, the people there were not walking upright before the Lord, but they weren't willing to admit it, and Amos calls it out. So a question for us to start with today is, are we in agreement with the Lord, with God's heart? Are we walking together with him? When we move to reconciliation, we come to a place of harmony. Um, I, want, I want to tell you a story from a movie just to kind of give the idea of that, that harmony. Um, 
uh, this is an older movie. It's called Failure to Launch. And um, so the main character in the movie is a haphazard bachelor and just kind of follows the whims of whatever he feels like. But he's got this great group of friends who are helpful to him. And at one point in the beginning of the movie, um, I, th I think they are out with the dolphins. And you, some people have on their bucket list to like swim with dolphins. Um, I, I want to say they were surfing. I didn't rewatch the movie. But um, he gets bit by a dolphin in the movie, right, um, which is crazy. So then, and later, another time he's with his friends, who again are his, like, kind of voice of um, reason to him. And um, they're rock climbing. Uh, just a second here. And as they're, they're rock climbing, an animal comes out and bites the main character. And so his friend says to him, you were bitten by a chuckwalla. That shouldn't have happened. He's like, it's a reptile of peace. He says, I have a theory. This isn't the first time that nature has lashed out at you like this. I believe it's because your life is fundamentally at odds with the world. Therefore, nature rejects you. <laughs> so, so today we are going to look in, in depth pretty much of of what does it look like when our hearts aren't lined up with God? And not specifically um, necessarily a single sin to recall or action, but when our hearts aren't in commune, when we're not walking in harmony. Um, and, and, you know, the content may feel heavy. I encourage you to just, um, you know, let the Holy Spirit speak to you in the pieces um, that God has for you today as we work through, as, as we want to be in that place of harmony um, with our Lord. So to start, I want to look at the biblical word sin. The actual word sin means a missing of the mark, or more specifically, we could say having the wrong target. So when we ask ourselves, have we sinned? Is there something we need to ask for forgiveness so for? You know, we'll go through that the list of things. Um, I haven't lied recently. I haven't been unfaithful officially. I haven't hated my brother. I haven't stolen anything. Um, but instead, you know, and maybe we have specific things, but more importantly, of those trying to follow faithfully, we need to explore ourselves and say, am I missing out on the true goal of life, to love the Lord with all our hearts, minds, and strength, to do his kingdom work, to have our goals lined up with God's goals. So not simply have I wronged someone with a specific incident, but are our lives centered on Christ, on his purposes in us and through us? Or is Jesus simply a peripheral add-on that works well with what we have going on, with where our aim is focused, what we've chosen our mark to be? So as we ask ourselves these questions, scripture invites us to fully examine our hearts. In Psalm 139, 23 and 24, it says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. When we've been able to search and know these spaces, whether there is any offensive way in us, we can ask for forgiveness and repent where we need to. When we are reconciled to peace, that looks like us not seeking power in any spaces. Looks like we're lined up with our humble servant king. We're not seeking worldly successes, worldly pleasures for fulfillment. We're not seeking possessions to satisfy, and we're not pursuing the world's definition of success. We're not seeking our best life or even 
the best life for our children, um, but to be like-minded with Christ, be reconciled with him, shows up in relationships, in times of division. We're not spending time and energy in arguments that lead to estrangement, but we are coming back to peace. We are working towards peace, towards God's heart. Do we look like Christ in our relationship, or are we aiming towards selfish ends, not towards God and others? In verse 5 of David's psalm today, he says, I did not cover up my iniquity. So the condition of his heart, the immoral place he was in. We also need to expose these spaces to the Lord and ask for changed hearts. It's not simply a word exchange where we're asking for forgiveness of a singular incident. An important question to look deeply into is what is going on in our hearts when we are sinning or when our life's target is not towards the Lord. How is it that we're choosing not to abide in him? Or how is it that we've fallen out of the practice of just being with him and lined up with him? Are we not, not listening to his guidance and instructions? What is that heart problem? What is our iniquity? So if we think of a sin of ours today, maybe something we've struggled with over time, an incident, or a heart perspective, if you think on that now, what is the root cause that led to that? Was it a lack of trust in the Lord? A disdain towards God? Maybe a long-standing bitterness or resentment over something? A misunderstanding of who our Father is? Maybe a growing cold? A disinterest? Have we lost our first love? Or are we passionately in love with our Savior? and living in the abundance of gratitude for what he has done and is doing. Or maybe we're distracted. Our aim has become misaligned. So we need to ask for forgiveness for the ways our hearts have turned away that led to our sin. And let us explore our hearts and know and ask for forgiveness for the condition of our hearts. When I researched the word iniquity, I kept coming up with writings that were towards the denouncing of slavery. And what a good picture that is of iniquity. A whole people group who collectively chose to enslave another people group. So not simply a matter of individual acts of sin, but a mindset and hearts that were far from set on God and toward God. Yet those people went to church, did lots of religious practices. But if they were to do that deep searching of if they are in a place of reconciliation with God and having God's heart, um, they would have seen how askew they were. So as you take time to examine your hearts, if you make the space for that, you may even find that you've hardened your heart towards God, towards his move, towards his speaking in you, um, to show you those spaces. Um, maybe you have said, this is where I am, this is where I need to be because of my lot in life, because of what has happened to me. Um, and, and this is just how it needs to be, and you're not even feeling um, guilt-ridden. But somehow, you still know deep inside that where you're sitting isn't just quite right. You're not able to be in that place of reconciliation with the Lord. As Christ followers, we need to set intentional time to look into our hearts for self-examination, to know where we are sitting. And our church calendar does have this written in during the Lenten season, where we are now. Um, 
which sometimes we are intentional, uh, the Jewish calendar also has it written in during their tradition of Yom Kippur. Um, I really appreciated the intentionality of the space created in Yom Kippur. It is a Jewish tradition outlined in Leviticus for the Israelites to not work, to deny themselves, and to allow space for the things in their lives that need atonement for. Um, today, the Jews come together in community to focus on self-denial, to concentrate their minds on God, on their sins of the past year, and on the grace of God's forgiveness and reconciliation. It's a day of commitment to confession, repentance, sacrifice, purification, and forgiveness. So God outlines it for the Israelites in Leviticus 16. He says, this is to be a lasting ordinance for you. On the 10th day of the seventh month, you must deny yourselves and not do any work, whether native-born or a foreigner residing among you, because on this day atonement will be made for you to cleanse you. Then before the Lord, you will be clean from all your sins. It is a day of Sabbath rest, and you must deny yourselves. It is a lasting ordinance. The priest who is anointed and ordained to succeed his father as high priest is to make atonement. He is to put on the sacred linen garments and make atonement for the most holy place, for the tent of meeting and the altar, and for the priest and all the members of the community. This is to be a lasting ordinance for you. Atonement is to be made once a year for all the sins of the Israelites. The practice of Yom Kippur allows for individual and collective purification by the practice of forgiveness of the sins of others and by sincere repentance for one's own sins against God. Now today, we as believers, we don't need this specific day because of the work of the cross. Um, we don't need to come before a priest because we can come boldly to the throne of grace of our great high priest, Jesus. But this is an intentional time the Israelites had to focus on unrepentant sin. And again, sometimes we emphasize that and focus on it in the Lenten season, but sometimes um, I think we don't allow enough intentional space to look deeply into the condition of our hearts and ask God to test us and see if there is any offensive way in us. So when we find those spaces or those incidents, we need to then move to repentance. So confession must be thorough and heartfelt to admit it, name it, and own up to what we have done. If we attempt to move on past our sin without true confession, is to cheapen God's grace. If we move on without showing remorse in doing that, it is not showing a true desire to be set free from the sin, from the heart condition. This quick grace, this cheap grace, is justification of the sin, but not the sinner. It's forgiveness without repentance. When we truly repent, it looks like honest confession, that the darkness of sin can be brought to light and exposed to the atoning blood of Christ. To land where David land in, lands in this psalm depends on true repentance. There's a poem by Dr. Wade Mullen, and it says, Sorrow is feigned, confession is partial, restitution is an afterthought, and reconciliation an illusion, as long as truth remains unnamed. Have we taken time to name our specific sins to the Lord, the specific ways our hearts have gone astray? Have we shown remorse and asked for forgiveness? James Baldwin writes in The Price of a Ticket, whoever cannot tell himself the truth about his past is trapped in it. Sometimes we have to take deep 
looks into our lives to see what needs repentance, maybe even deeply into our past to give light to where we are now, to give light to the state of our hearts, to understand where maybe what our seemingly irrational behaviors may come from. And this is a deep reflection into our own hearts. And the Holy Spirit will lead us through that if we invite him and welcome him and walk with him through it. So if you haven't sought forgiveness and you're carrying guilt, you may strongly resonate with David in verses 3 and 4. He said, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Here David is referring to his sin with Bathsheba and against Uriah and the people when he had not repented. All the fervor of life was sapped from him. David's body was showing the effect of his state of unrepentant sin. The stress of our lives comes out in our bodies in one way or another, through sickness, new ailments, or simply a loss of joy for living, a depression. We know the phrase worried sick. Do we have a weight of guilt so heavy on us that it causes physical unrest? I was reminded today of the story of the Scarlet Letter. Um, if you're familiar with that story, adultery had happened, and it was obvious when the woman became pregnant, and she wore the letter on her, right? So for all the world to see what her sin was. Um, but she lived her life in the free and the clear. It was out there. Uh, she had come to that place of admitting it. But whom she had committed with was a minister, and as the story goes on, he who sits with unrepentance in his body wastes away. And I'm sure you can relate to just the, that weight of the sin that we're not giving to the Lord. When we're not coming clean with our sin, we leave spaces that aren't in step with God. It allows a foothold for the devil, and he will use it. He will use the sin and the underlying guilts or that underlying knowledge that we're not in step with God to pry us further away from him, from his presence, from the knowledge of his love. God is our deliverer and can deliver us by being our hiding place from trouble and by placing his saving arms around us. In Proverbs 28, 13, it says, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. To renounce is to say, I will not sin anymore. And as Pastor Hank says, I will turn the car around and I will change my ways. The move to reconciliation, coming back to our rightful place, covered in God's grace and in his forgiveness, is where we want to aim to be. In our psalm, we see that David experienced a guilt-ridden heart, but he didn't stay in that place of sitting in the guilt of his sin. He acknowledges his sin, and he asks God to hide his face from his guilt. He asks for a renewed spirit and a clean heart. He asks God to restore the joy of his salvation. As David sought deliverance, he describes the response of redeemed simmer, sinner. Sorry. A broken spirit and a contrite heart means we repent of our sin by turning away from our disobedient actions or postures, admitting our mistakes, and turning toward God. When we repent with sincere hearts and ask for that renewed spirit, the realignment of the mark we should be aiming for, we are able to be reconciled with Christ. 
our position of being fully washed by the blood, of standing in God's grace. So as we let's go on in the psalm and see then what David describes what it looks like to be standing in that place of being reconciled. In verse 6, David speaks of the right to be heard in prayer. He says, therefore, let all the faithful pray to you. In 1 John, it says, we know we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. God promises us throughout scripture, as his redeemed, we will be heard in prayer. And verse 6 goes on to say, surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. In this life, there will be trouble. Certainly in a believer's life, there will be. And if there's not, Jesus' words, if you look at Jesus' words, something may be amiss. But these waters of trouble will not reach us. They won't sway us. They won't sway our centering on the Lord, our aim for the right mark of God's heart. They will not wash us away. The troubles that come will not have victory over us. Our God gives us songs in the night. God answers our prayers. We know his answer isn't always yes, but he does hear us and he moves. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groaning, expressing the deepest desires of our hearts to the Lord, even when we don't know quite what to say or quite what we're feeling. In our gift of prayer, we have 24-7 access to the Lord. We don't even have to use words. Our words can be brief. We don't have to go on. God knows our hearts. Prayer is a gift to us spiritually, but God uses them too. Through prayer, our minds are lifted unto the Lord, and through prayer, we are strengthened for our work and service for God. Another thing David points out that we find when we're reconciled is we get guidance and counsel from the Lord. Verses 8 and 9 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. In Psalm 16, it says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. And in James 1, 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. We have such an assurance of how to do life when we are reconciled to the Lord. And that portion goes on in verse 9 to says, Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding. God desires intelligent cooperation from us. He doesn't ask us to not have our own thoughts and questions. We see in scripture where God can take our questions. Abraham certainly had some. Um, God had revealed his plans for Sodom to Abraham, and Abraham pushes back and pleads for Sodom. We are invited to have conversation, to bring our thoughts, our concerns, our questions to the Lord. Um, And in his loving heart, he ministers to our questions. Um, We get to come fuller into the knowledge of the Lord. Uh, A great mystery remains in this life. We won't come to that full understanding Um, But he does speak to our our thoughts, and he directs us. In verse 9 of the psalm, we see a stubbornness of the animals. If we want God's guidance, we must surrender our will to him. In a stubbornness of refusing to change our ways, God cannot work with us. When we're not rendering him our hearts, we don't get these blessings found in true reconciliation. And again, that is the place 
um, when we're reconciled, our aim is lined up with the Lord, so our selfish desires are set aside. As David goes on in verse 10, he says, Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. We, as reconciled, are fully aware of how we are surrounded by the Lord's loving kindness. God's love for us is deep and intense. He chooses to love us and pursue us. He is concerned with us. He's interested in each of us. He will never forget us. We are of a high value to him. He is not some distant God that directs things and isn't concerned with the details. Paul passionately writes for believers to know the height and depths of God's love in Ephesians 3. He says, may you with all the Lord's holy people know how to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. In Zephaniah 3, he says, God will take great delight in you. He will rejoice over you with singing. When we haven't been reconciled, the weight of that sin is overbearing and we're not aware of God's love. If our lives are misaligned, we're not able to be in the knowledge of God's love for us. And it is such an incredible blessing to stand in God's love. It's a place we want to be, to want to return to if we aren't there. And verse 11, David points out that the believer who's reconciled is joyful. Verse 11 says, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. We get to have the joy of the Lord. John 15, 11 said, I have told you this, this is Jesus speaking, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus' joy is in us. We get to share in his joy, not a joy in the knowledge of who God is, but in him. When we're reconciled, we have Christ's joy in us and we enjoy what God enjoys. When we stand fully reconciled, we get to see with more clarity the power of God at work in us and the blessings he abundantly gives, not those the world will point to as blessings, material wealth, or even physical health, but the overflow of spiritual blessings that come from the Lord when we are reconciled to Christ is enough to make us shout for joy. Being reconciled to the Lord looks like being at peace with God. And that peace looks like peace in our relationships, in all the settings we find ourselves. It looks like coming back to communion with God, back to a place of shalom, to coexist in harmony. It looks like peace within ourselves. It means we know who we are in Christ. We're not stuck in a comparison trap or an endless need to self-improve but we have a peace in who we were created to be. It means relational peace, harmony among humanity, peace in our relationships at home, at work, and all the different spaces that we have relationships. As we do self-explorations towards sin, we might, find, we might find patterns of thought or behavior, maybe from our cultural our culture or our family line that aren't in line with the Lord. And we need to seek reconciliation for heritage at times, things passed on that are not in right relationship with the Lord. 
So towards being in relational peace, um, one of my young adult study groups, we're, we're looking at Colossians right now, and we were recently looking at the portion where Paul outlines rules for relationships. And Paul talks about um, wife to husband, husband to wife, parent to child, slave to slave owner. Um, and there's a whole lot that you could talk about there. But the underlying root that you see repeated through all of the relationships is that each would be as would be pleasing to the Lord, as they would be unto the Lord, as is fitting for the Lord. So our humble servant king is our example, our God of love in all of our relationships. So when we look at our relationships in our different spaces, that's the key to look at where is our heart lined up. So if we think about our home, do we serve those around us? Do we serve others in care for them? in selflessness, or maybe in our settings, we have an attitude of entitlement. In the home, maybe you do serve, and it's without end, but is it out of a desire and a love, or do you serve with a chip on your shoulder? Are you harboring bitterness and resentment? Do you have relationships? Do we have relationships in our life that are not in their proper place, that don't line up with God's heart of love, peace, service is this a space that we need to repent of turn from and give to the lord to come back to peace to come back to reconciliation and what the lord has for us spiritual peace also looks like peace between god and man to be able to know that our prayers are heard to be able to receive god's direction and guidance and to be able to stand in his love and live in the fullness of joy found in him to be in his perfect peace. When we talk about peace with God and in relationships, as it's played out in real life, um, on the surface, it may not look like what others refer to as peaceful, because here we are, we're still in this world with everything else happening around us. Um, there's a story of a picture of peace with God. A man was seeking out the picture of the perfect picture of peace. So he puts out, I don't know if it was a competition or if he was just um, drawing from different works of art that existed. So in that, in that seeking, they first became, came upon a painting that, that surely must be the one that demonstrates peace. And it was of a mirror smooth lake reflected um, with green birches under the soft blush of the evening sky Along the grassy shore, a flock of sheep grazed undisturbed. Surely this was the winner of the picture of perfect peace. But then the man seeking it brought out another picture. And it was of a tumultuous waterfall cascading down a rocky precipice. The crowd could almost feel its cold penetrating spray. Stormy gray clouds threatened to explode with lightning, wind, and rain. And in the midst of the thundering noises and bitter chill, a spindly tree clung to the rocks at the edge of the falls. One of its branches reached out in front of the torrential waters as if foolishly seeking to experience its full power. And a little bird had built a nest in the elbow of that branch. Content and undisturbed in her stormy surroundings, she rested on her eggs. With her eyes closed and her wings ready to cover her little ones, she manifested peace that transcends all earthly turmoil. 
our place of reconciliation is within us and with God as we continue to do his work in this very messy world. We get to be agents of reconciliation to the tumultuous world around us. Let us, as followers of Christ, make moves to return to peace with God, to being reconciled, to that restored relationship. In 2 Corinthians 5, the church there models reconciliation. It says, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though we are, were making his appeal through us, although God were. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Are we in tune to the heart of what God is doing in the world, has done in us, and wants to do through us? When we talk about peace with God and in relationships played out in real life on the surface, there's a whole lot going on. But let us repeat turn to the place of reconciliation so that we can be agents to the world around us. As we continue on in the season of Lent, we want to check and test our hearts and be sure we are living in harmony with God and with others. We need to check that our hearts are aiming at the right mark, God's heart. Do we look like Christ's followers? like those who are walking in step with the Lord. Back to what Amos said. He said, how can two walk together unless they agree? Do our hearts today agree with the Lord? Are we standing in our place of reconciliation in order to bring reconciliation to the world? If not, let us explore where we've gone to astray and ask the Spirit to lead us in that deep heart of self-exploration. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today that you desire us to be fully reconciled to you. We thank you that you will lead us as we come to you with lowly and contrite hearts and ask that you would see if there is any offensive way in us. Help us to make space for your work, Father, and we rejoice in our reconciliation in getting to be in unity with you and your heart to be able to be in a place of peace with you. Thank you, Lord, for the ways you welcome us into full relationship with you where we can bring our whole selves to. And thank you for the joy we get to share with you as we are reconciled to you. May we walk in the fullness of life you found through fullness of life with you found being reconciled today. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. Amen. Um, and at this time, as the worship team concludes us in song, we invite anyone forward who would like prayer, any pastors in the room, if you'll come forward, um, we welcome you to come up to the front.
please feel free to stand and join us as we sing. Let us be known by our love in every word, in every deed, honor the Son. Let our light shine in every eye. Let us be known. 